think he's the happiest guy. And because I'll tell you, nobody's got. <laughs> I love that man. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. And I appreciate you, Pastor. This man right here doesn't need to bring anybody in to preach, brother. He can handle it himself. And I've heard you preach yourself, brother, and it's wonderful. And uh, Brother Smith sends his love and regards. Uh, he wants to be here, but we understand the situation. Uh, the word normal is out of the dictionary. Uh, my wife and I have been married 36 years, and for about 34 of it, I've been gone 48 weeks a year, you know, preaching meetings, and uh, we have never been together this much. <laughs> about, about four weeks into that quarantine, she said, ain't you got somewhere to be? <laughs> Woo! And it's been a, a, a different experience. And uh, usually when I go somewhere, I thank the pastor for having me. But Julie says, tell that man thank you for having his me. <laughs> and uh, the Lord is good. And I'm excited about being here tonight. The book of Esther, chapter number 4. Esther, chapter number 4. And I, I felt like all day today the Lord was leading me to this text. And when Brother Brian got to preach it on that, I knew I was right where I needed to be. We do have a brand new music CD. This has been out about three or four weeks now. Uh, I have a dear friend of mine who is with the Lord, and we were great friends. His name was Jerry Goff. You know anything about gospel music, you've, you've heard that name. And uh, he was at the church one weekend, and I was going through some chord progressions, and I said, Jerry, that would make a good song, but I'm not a songwriter. And he said, man, I got some words to go with that. So it kind of just came together. And little did we know that that would be the last song he would write before he would go to heaven. And we got to go record it. He got to hear the rough mix just a couple of weeks before he went to heaven. And it's finished now. It's number five on this CD called Praise You Face to Face. And it talks about a man coming down to the end of his journey. And he's been thinking about what he's going to say to the Lord. And he said, I think this is what I'll say. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. You have been so good to me. And so that's on here with a lot of other good old timers. Like I'll see you in the rapture. God delivers again. I need no mansion here below. Sweet home Alabama. No, I'm sorry. That's not on there. But got some good songs on there. Is this on y'all's radio station? Boy, that's done. And uh, so we'd love to have you come by and uh, pick up one of these. My wife's hungry. <laughs> this shutdown's been rough. Please come by and get one of them. And if we can help you with it, we would love to do so. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, you look better with your mask on. I wouldn't say that if I was you. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you. Boy, God's good, ain't he? Has a good spirit here tonight. Praise the Lord. I love it. I like to go where there's no agenda, and you don't have to impress anybody. Just cut loose and have a time in the Lord. Esther chapter number 4 and verse number 14 tonight. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom, and say this little phrase with me, for such a time as this. The Bible said, Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast 
likewise. And so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. Say this little phrase out loud with me tonight. And if I perish, I perish. Come to chapter number 8. Chapter number 8. And the last two verses tells you how this scenario or this event turned out. Chapter number 8 and verse number 16 and 17. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province, in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast. And I want to scream every time I get to this one. And a good day. Anytime somebody escapes wrath, it's a good day. And a good day. And many of the people of the land, watch this brother Fox, became Jews. How in the world do you become something you're not? Praise God, I'll answer that in a minute. And many of the people of the land became Jews. For the fear of the Jews fell upon them. I love the story that is before us tonight, the story of Esther, how one little orphan, foster child, made such a commitment and contribution that it literally changed the world around her. I am amazed that some people have made such a contribution to life that it literally outlasted the years of their sojourn. There's a verse in the book of the Revelation that's big to me. It says, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. They shall rest from their labor but their works do follow them. It is possible tonight to make such a contribution and live such a life that it outlasts the years of your sojourn. I wanted tonight 127 years ago. Uh, being a member of Pastor Elijah Hoffman's church. And he comes one Wednesday night and says, Well, I wrote a little song today. I'd like to sing it for you. And he begins to sing, What a fellowship. What a joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arms. We sang that song a while ago. That is making a contribution that outlasts the years of your sojourn. I wonder over 160 years ago on a little prayer meeting night in Chicago, Illinois, a little blind lady stands up and says, uh, I got the words today to a little song. See what you think about it. And She began to sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine that is making a contribution that outlasts the years of your sojourn. You come to this text tonight and the contribution that she made, the commitment that she made, the choice that she made, not only affected a family, it not only affected a nation, but it literally had a worldwide effect. In fact, it was such an effect that thousands of years later, we sit here in western Maryland reaping the benefits of the commitment that she made in our text. You say, how in the world was that? Well, there was a nation 
that was the apple of God's eye. God's chosen people. And he had already blessed them by giving them the land. He would bless them by giving them the law. But then he was going to bless them by giving them the Lord. God was going and God did use that little nation physically to bring the Messiah, the Emancipator, the Christ, the Savior, the Deliverer into this world. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you know who Jesus is. And he is your Lord and he is your Master and he is your Savior. And God used this little nation physically to bring this Messiah into the world. I believe that's why the devil hated that little nation so much. Because he felt like if I destroy that nation, then I will keep that deliverer from coming into the world. You know, some people never learn, and the devil is one of them. Because he tried that in the garden, God whooped him. He tried that at the flood, God whooped him. He tried it at the Tower of Babel, and God whooped him. He tried it with Egyptian bondage, and God really whooped him. And the same God that whooped him then is going to whip him now. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the devil is using a man that has an evil scheme and an evil plan. And if this plan comes to fulfillment, what is going to happen to the Jew is worse than Egyptian bondage. It is worse than Assyrian captivity. It is worse than Babylonian captivity. If this plan comes to fulfillment, what's going to happen to the Jews is beyond servitude and captivity and bondage. It's extermination. It's annihilation. They will be wiped off of the face of the earth because the king in a lustful, drunken stupor has signed a law and sealed it with his ring that on the twelfth month and the thirteenth day all of the Jews from the oldest to the youngest the mother, the father, the son, the daughter, the grandfather, the grandmother they're not going to be taken in bondage they're not going to be put into captivity they will be extinguished and annihilated and wiped off of the face of the earth. The king wrote this law on the first month and on the 13th day. And so they had 11 months to live the rest of that year under the cloud of condemnation. Every second that ticked off the clock, every day that fell off the calendar, they lived under the threat Come that last month on that 13th day. We're not going to be in bondage. We're not going to be in captivity. We'll be extinguished. We'll be annihilated. All of us will be wiped off of the face of the earth. But there is a little girl who comes from some terrible circumstances. For some reason she has no mother and no father. And for some reason, her next of kin able to take care of her is her father's brother's boy, her cousin who is old enough to be her father or her uncle. And his circumstances are not all of that great because he is in exile and he is a slave in the palace of this ungodly king. But the God of the Bible is bigger than circumstance. The God of the Bible is bigger than the odds. 
The God of the Bible is bigger than your past and your hang-ups and your faults and your failures and your genealogy. You say, but I come from a long family of foul-ups. He is bigger than your family. Oh, but my family tree has all kind of crooks in the branches. He is bigger than the crooks in the branches. Oh, but you don't understand in my past uh, there's abuse, there is disappointment, uh, there is sadness, there is sorrow, there are skeletons in the closet. I want to tell you, God is bigger than your past. He's bigger than your skeletons. He's bigger than your hurts. He's bigger than your abuse. And here is a little girl, but against the odds, and in spite of what's against her, she is going to step up to the plate and make a commitment and make a sacrifice and make a choice that's going to change the scene and change her world. And God will receive the glory and the honor and the praise for in our text there is a decision that she makes Mordecai says to her hey you need to go in to the king and plead our cause now you know how she got to be the queen well that king in a drunken stupor Asked his first queen to do something and she wouldn't do it, so he put her away. Word got out that the king was hunting a new queen. And Mordecai's got this bright idea. Well, I'm going to throw her name in the pot. And brother, somehow in the providence of God, he chose this little foster orphan child, Jewish girl, to be his queen. Now, what I'm about to say is not good English, but I think it's good preaching. Ain't that just like God? What do you mean by that? To give what's needed when you need it the most. Why, just the meaning of her name speaks volumes to me. You know what the Hebrew word Esther means? It means a bright light and a shining star. Ain't that just like God? Facing the darkest hour they had ever faced to bring out in their life on the stage of time a bright light and a shining star. While this is not the first time Israel's been in a jam, man, that Egyptian bondage was pretty rough and that Red Sea experience was pretty rough and that Assyrian and Babylonian captivity was no fun. But what they're facing now goes beyond bondage and it goes beyond captivity and it goes beyond servitude. It's never been this bleak. It's never been this dark. It's never been this close to total annihilation. But ain't that just like God at the darkest hour of your life to bring out on the stage of time a bright light and a shining star. Amen. Oh, by the way, you know what stars do? They declare the glory of God. Amen. You know what stars do? They beautify the night. You know what stars did in the old day before we had radar and sonar and before Al Gore invented the internet? You know what the stars did in that day? Ah, oh, the sailors would chart their course according to the stars and the stars would lead the seamen from one shore to the other shore in the darkness of the night. I want to say that again. The stars would guide the ship from one shore to the other shore in the darkness of the night. 
Can I say that one more time? The stars would guide the ship from one shore to the other shore. In the Oh, can I say that one more time? The stars would guide the ship from one shore to the other shore in the darkness of the night. You know what stars do? They shine in the absence of the sun. Why, if you go out tonight, you won't see the sun. But do not fear. It is not been extinguished. It's still shining on the other side. And the reason why you can't see it, your world's turned upside down. And so the stars come out in the absence of the sun and they say something like this. It's dark right now, but the sun is still shining and give God 12 hours and he's going to write the world right side up and the suns are coming up in the morning. Oh, can I say that again? The stars say in the darkness of night, it's dark right now. But the sun's coming up in the morning. And you know what them little stars do? When that big star comes up in the morning, they fade from view and give the big star all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. You say, what's that got to do with us? I'm about to die to tell you. You know what we are in this old, dark, moral, apostate, wicked, perverse world in which we live in? We're stars shining in the night. And we are to declare the glory of God. That's why we're here, to declare the glory of God. We're here to beautify the night. We're here to guide men from one shore to the other shore. Yea, in the darkness of the night. And we shine in the stead of the sun. And what we're saying tonight is this. It's dark right now, but the sun's coming up in the morning. So I say shine, baby, shine. Shine, baby, shine. In the midst of the darkest they'd ever been, God brought out a bright light and a shining star. Mordecai said you've been brought here. Now go in there and shine. And she said, but you don't understand. It's not politically correct. Can I just say nobody ever makes a difference for God if they're hung up on political correctness. I promise you that crowd that hates little babies and that crowd that hates the Bible and that crowd that hates the church and that crowd that hates the gospel, they are not worried about political correctness and it's never been one of my strong points. Amen. It's not politically correct. You don't understand if I go before that king and he doesn't want me there, he can have me annihilated. He can have me killed. And Mordecai said, but, but what you don't know, you're going to die anyway. Boy, that's encouraging. You're going to die anyway. Because when Haman's henchmen come for the price of money and they start killing the Jews in the palace, you're not going to escape. They're going to take your life too. You're going to die anyway. If we don't get this thing turned around, you're going to die anyway. Boy, she mulls that over and she thinks that over. And I believe she came to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and said, you know what? It's time I got to thinking about somebody but myself. It's time I got to thinking about somebody other than those that are around me. I need to get a burden for the lost and a vision for the lost. Because she came to the conclusion there were some things worth fighting for and there were some things worth dying for. And she said, I know it's not convenient. I know it's not politically correct. I know it's against the laws of the Lamb. But it's now or never. It's do or die. It's time to tear down the fence and erase the border and cross the line and dive all in for God. It's time to quit playing church and be a peripheral Christian and quit tipping God on the side it's time to sign up dive in go deeper go farther and if I perish I perish right this on my tombstone I went down doing my best for God that's a decision that she makes I believe tonight in this day and hour in which we live 
It's time to make that kind of commitment. By the way, all of us tonight are living in houses we didn't build. We're eating from vineyards we didn't plant. And we're drinking from wells we didn't dig. If you enjoy tonight living in the United States of America like I enjoy living in the United States of America, somebody before us paid the ultimate price for our freedom. They didn't sit around and smoke marijuana and sing kumbaya to to carve out this nation in which we live. But they fought to the death and they paid the ultimate price. And we're enjoying the freedom bought by the blood of our forefathers. The reason why there's a church on the side of the road. And I must say, in, in one of the most beautiful sceneries I've ever seen. Of course, when you're from downtown Atlanta, Georgia, everywhere looks pretty to you. <laughs> In fact, I was in Baltimore last week and it didn't even look pretty. And you know I'm... As I, as I came to Pittsburgh, I thought about moving there. Boy, I want to tell you the reason why there's a church here. Because there's been generations before us that got a vision. And in fact, the matter, is there anybody in this room tonight saved? If you save, raise your right hand. If you know it, raise your left hand. If you're glad about it, raise both of them. Little spiritual aerobics. You know why you raise your hand? Because somebody got a hold of God for you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody made a decision and made a commitment. Hey, we got to go beyond Sunday morning only. We got to go beyond peripheral Christianity. It's time to pay up. It's time to pray up and have all in for God and say, if I perish, I perish. There's some things worth scrapping over. The decision she made it's time to go ahead and give it my all. And can I say everybody that's ever made a difference in somebody's life, it's somebody that said, I'm going to give it my all. A decision that she made, number two, I want you to see tonight, a destiny that she fulfilled. Mordecai sent word to her and says, hey, think about it like this. You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. He is saying, you're not here by accident. Brother Fox, I was so encouraged with your message and I, I'm not the smartest rock in the box, you can tell, but I gathered from your sermon one wonderful thing. You're not a Calvinist. Now, he and I are hyper... But we're not hyper-Calvinist. We have been reborn, but we're not reformed. I don't even like the word reformed. Where did that come from? Just say you're wrong and get it over with. You're not reformed, you're just dumb. Say amen. Oh, those people are smart. They're educated fools. Because if you're so dumb, you don't know what all means and every means and whosoever means. You ain't all that smart. And I gathered from your message tonight the last point. Point number five. That no sinner has to remain a sinner. And I am a first class card toting, track passing out, bus running, sword of the Lord subscribing. Whosoever will. But you hear me tonight? I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the providence of God. And because of that, I believe there's no one on planet earth here by accident. How many believe tonight that God holds the power of life? How many believe God has the final say-so of life? If God gave you life, you are not an accident. 
you say, but yeah, that's some stuff in my past and some stuff in my parents' past and my conception. Oh, all of that's really crazy, preacher. And, and all, I'm, I'm here to tell you, no matter your conception, circumstances, or your past, or your family tree, you are not here by accident. Nobody's here by accident. God loves every man. And he's got a plan for every man. And he tasted death for every man. And he died for every man. You're not here by accident. God's brought you here tonight for this time, for this hour, for this day, for such a time as this. I'm a country boy at heart. And I'm an old person at heart. I love old people. I love old people because I'm almost one. (laughs) I'm really close. Some people's hair turns gray. Mine turned loose. (laughs) I heard a guy say the other day, he said, "Uh, you're just as old as you feel. I went, dear God in heaven, that's the problem. He said, life begins at 50. Whoever said that's dumb. Whoever said that's never turned it. Let me tell you what begins at 50. Doctor's visits. Supplements. And I get highly offended to go to Taco Bell. And that little squirt says, would you like the senior discount? No! I do not want to be asked that anymore. Dr. Smith and I went somewhere the other day and the guy says, that's your son? <laughs> uh, he ain't my daddy. <laughs> oh. And I hear people talk about these accidents and accidents and accidents. There's nobody here by accidents. And I love old people. I'm almost one of them. And I've lived long enough to know this. God is real, God is sovereign, God is holy, and He has a purpose for all of our lives. And she said, and she said, well, it's not convenient for me to do this. And he said, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. I said to an old preacher one time, I said, I love old things. I love old songs. I love old books. I like the way we used to go to church. I mean, and I said to that preacher, I said, I believe I'm, a, I'm 40 years behind. I believe I should have been on the scene 40 years ago. I believe I'd have had a more effective ministry. And that old man of God looked at me and said, well, I don't guess you believe God knows what he's doing. I said, I didn't say that. He said, yes, you did. I said, I didn't. He said, yes, you did. I said, no, I didn't. And you ain't supposed to argue with old people. (laughs) Boy, that's one thing about getting old I'm looking forward to. They'll quit arguing with you. And they'll just like, he don't know no better. (laughs) I said, I didn't say that. He said, that's exactly what you're saying. He said, son... God is so sovereign and omnipotent. If he'd have wanted you on the scene 50 years ago, you'd have been on the scene 50 years ago. And he said this to me, Brother Barron, I've never forgotten it. He said, God had a man 50 years ago. God had a witness 50 years ago. God had a light 50 years ago. God had a voice 50 years ago. God needs a voice tonight. God needs a light tonight. God needs a witness tonight. And I'm here to tell you, America has never needed the church like it needs it tonight. Our towns, our cities, our hamlets, our villages, our our family, the lost world, they've never needed the light and the gospel and joy and hope and the good news. They've never needed it like they need it tonight. This is our day. This is our time. This is our destiny. Let's step up to the plate and fulfill our purpose while God put us here. Let me say it like this. You were born for this. You were created for this. God saved you for this. God's, I'm about to encourage my own self. God's kept you alive for this. This is the sole purpose of your existence. 
That's why you didn't kill get killed before tonight. That's why you didn't get raptured out before tonight. That's why you're not already in heaven with Jesus tonight. God wanted you alive today. God wanted you here present today. Hey, D.O. Moody had his day, and he did it well. Spurgeon had his day, and he did it well. John R. Rice had his day, and he did it well. Tom Malone had his day, and he did it well. Lee Robertson had his day, and did it well. My father, Dr. J.B. Arthur, in the mountains of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, had his day and he did it well and he finished well but this is your day and this is your day and this is my day this is your time this is my time this is our destiny we were created for this we were saved for this we were called for this we're still alive for this it's our opportunity to step up to the plate and fulfill our divine destiny For we've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. Can I go back to one of my introductory statements? Ain't that just like God? Because who better than a woman to change a man's mind? (laughs) Well, glory. And if you don't understand that, then you have never been married to a woman. (laughs) And if you think that's rough, you put a daughter in there with her. And they both gang up on you. And if you think that's rough, you put some granddaughters in there. And the whole world gangs up on you. A man married to a woman with a daughter is the most abused, manipulated human being on planet Earth. Son, there's some men here wanting to shout so bad, but they're henpecked and they just won't. <laughs> and notice why you're laughing. She ain't here. But she's tuned in. I told her what I was going to say, and the camera's on you, and she's watching you go. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. Oh, she squirts on that perfume. In fact, the Bible said she took a bath in it for six months. What is that? I don't know what Esther looked like, but glory to God, I bet she smelled good. <laughs> she went like them two girls from Alabama. They's going down one day riding the bus, and one of them said, Whoa, somebody's perfume ain't working. And she said, It ain't mine. I don't use all that stuff. You'll get that after a while. Oh. Boy, she stands up there in the court. I believe a gentle breeze blows through there. And oh, yes. And he looks out there, and there she stands. I hate to open up this can of worms, but in that day, the man had to give the women permission before they could speak. And now we get permission so we can speak. Can I get an amen? You say, what do y'all say about that? Time's made a change in us. She goes before him and he can tell she's troubled. And he said, what is it, Esther? Tell me your request. I will grant it even to the half of the kingdom. She said, I don't want half. But there's something I really want to talk to you about. She said, that you, you, you know that law that's going to go into effect the 12th month of the 13th day that your buddy Haman got you to sign. All the Jews are going to die. She said, what you don't understand is, and she had never revealed this to him, I'm a Jew. Them's my people. That's me. And when Haman's lynchmen walk in and begin to kill, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill the queen, your lover, your soulmate, your bride. They're going to take my life because I'm one of them. Boy, I see that grimacing look come across the face of that king. And he is now in a jam. 
Because a law had been written and been sealed with the ring of the Medes and the Persians. And even though he's a king, he can't break his own law. But who better than a woman to have plan B? And I believe she falls before him. And ladies, this will get the guy every time. Turn on to tears. You're going to need more than a youth conference. You're going to need a home conference by the time this sermon's over. She falls before him, Brother Fox, at his feet, begins to cry. She begins to weep. And she said, I know you can't break your own law, but she can write a new one. You can write another covenant. You can make another testament. You can write a new law that reverse the old law. And it says on the 12th month and the 13th day, the Jews don't have to die. You can live. You can live. And so the king wrote a new law. He made a new testament. Let me say that again. He made a new testament. He made a new covenant and sealed that one with his ring. You see, that old one says, if you're a Jew, you're dead. But that new one says, if you're a Jew, you can live. That old one says, your family circle will be broken. But the new one says, your family circle don't have to be broken. That old one says, death, doom, destruction. The new one says, life, joy, peace, and music. And when I read this, I about knocked the back end of my choir robe out. It said they'd make copies of that new covenant. They'd make copies of that New Testament. they made copies of that new law and gave it to the postman. And they got on horses and they took their copy of that new law. And they went north, south, and the east, and the west in haste under the commandment of the king. And at the different intervals down the road, that was a wooden beam called the post board where they would nail the message of the king and here they've got the new testament here they got the new law the one that says you don't have to die you can live and they take a hammer and a nail and they take a hammer and a nail and they take a hammer and a nail and they nail on the wooden beam the new law the one that says you don't have to die you can live You say, what has that got to do with us? I'm about to explode to tell you. Oh, that was an old law. And brother, it was pretty rough. It said the soul that sinned it shall surely die. It said the nations have turned against God. They'll be turned into hell. It said if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. It said, oh, hell has enlarged itself to meet the thy coming. But aren't you glad 2,000 years ago on a hill far away, he wrote a new testament and he wrote a new covenant and he wrote a new law. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, where do we fit in? Saddle up. Second Corinthians 4. Saddle up to your mule, baby. And take your copy Woo! of the living New Testament and post it everywhere you go. You don't have to die in your sin and go to hell. You don't have to die in your sin and go to hell. For God so loved the world that he gave... Man, if I'd have known I'd have had this much fun, I'd have come up here last night. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The new shall believe that he shall not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, the Bible said he came unto his own, his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in that heart that God's raised from the dead thou shalt be saved aren't you glad the king wrote a new law and it's up to us to get the message out 
I see a decision she made, a destiny she fulfilled. And lastly, I see a deliverance that she got to enjoy. Uh, I got a wild imagination. Can I use it just a minute? At least one thing about my preaching, when I tell you it's me, at least I tell you. Some preachers do that and they make you think they're still in the book. But I got a feeling it happened something like this. And you say, well, I don't think it happened like this. You tell your part Wednesday. <laughs> You'll get that after a while. We ain't going to be here Wednesday. Brother Fox, I see it. I see a Jewish man, sweet little wife, maybe a few children. Boy, for 11 months, from the first month, the 13th day, to the 12th month, the 13th day, 11 months, brother, they've lived under the dark cloud of coming condemnation. Boy, each day, it brings it closer. Each second, each moment, each hour brings it closer. And I see that father, as he says to his wife and children, you know, that day is coming soon. Our doom, our extinction is coming soon. We'll be annihilated. We're going to die. And not just going to kill me. They're going to kill your mother too. And then when they're through killing me and your mother, they're going to kill you guys. They're going to wipe the streets and our blood, our hopes, our plans, our dreams. It all perishes. On day 13. Oh, but about that time around the curve over the horizon, I see a young man on a little mule like he's got something to say. He lights off of that little mule and takes him a hammer and a nail and starts nailing the good news. Lord, have mercy. Starts nailing. Can I run right down there if I come right back? Starts nailing the good news to the wooden beam. About that time, one of them down south would say, one of them young'uns. About that time, one of them little chillins. That's how we say it, Virginia, little chillins. What do y'all call them up here? Kids. <laughs> I ain't asking what some of you call yours. We better go on with that right now. I can see one of them, Brother Fox. Daddy! Daddy! There's a new message from the king. As cold waters are the thirsty soul, so is good news from the far country. Daddy, there's a new message from the king. What's it say, hon? It says, oh, daddy, you got to come here and read this. Something's happened, daddy. The scene's changed, daddy. Something's done happened to that king. There's a seal. He's written a new law. The twelfth month on that thirteenth day. We don't have to die. And you know what, Daddy, the good news about it? That old evil man that thought that up against us, he's dead and hanging from his own gallows. Oh, I believe that little family got together. You say, what a difference did it make? Well, you read in chapter number 3 where that old law was signed where they were going to be dead their blood would be in the street and there would be lamentations weeping and wailing and crying to the verses I read tonight. It said when the scene was over they had light, joy, honor, a good day. Sounds like heaven to me. And it said, and they laughed. And here's where the Baptists come out in them. They hadn't eaten. <laughs> Why, when God answers prayer, you eat about it. When God works a miracle, you eat about it. Praise God, we have prayer meetings. We have preaching meetings. And hallelujah, we have eating meetings. <laughs> and evidently the Lord don't mind because I've read the back of the book. I've read the back of the book. You and I that have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we're not going to hell. We can't. 
I had a man get mad at me the other day and he, and he told me, he said, why don't you just go yonder? And I said, sir, I can go to Florida, I can go to California, I can go to Hawaii, but I can't go down there. He said, why? Because I've been saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, and my name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. And I've read the last chapter. Those of us that trust Jesus Christ, we're going to have light, we're going to have joy, we're going to have honor, and it's going to be a real good day. And we're going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb and enjoy salvation forever and forever and forever because somebody stepped up to the plate and made a difference in your life and in mine. You think about all the people that's going to have that big of impact on a society, on an eternal world. You think of some maybe rich statesman, some highly educated orator. But here is a little orphan foster girl under Terrible, difficult circumstances. But I got a verse for that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And may I say tonight, that won't be the first time nor the last time God took simple things to confine the wise. It won't be the first time or the last time God took something which is small, done something big, all because she was willing to step up to the plate and sign on and give it all and fulfill her divine appointment. Tonight, there's somebody in your life, there's somebody in your family, there's somebody in your world one day can have light and gladness and a good day. If you and I will sign on tonight, give God our all, because that's why we're here. You got a light? Shine it. You got a song? Sing it. You got a message? Preach it. You got a cross? Bear it. You have a shout? Let her rip! Because we have a God worth serving and a world worth saving. Our Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for the joy of Christ, salvation. We thank you, Lord, in this text, when all seemed against God's people, one person made the difference. Lord, our nation, our homes, our families, our societies, we've never been this far. We've never been in this much darkness. But there's people all over this room tonight, Lord, and sign on and dive in and make a contribution. Turn things around. It will outlast the years of their sojourn. Help us tonight to shine as a light in this dark world. And we'll give you praise and we'll give you glory because we ask it in Jesus' name. We're standing together. The pastor's coming. Thank you.